For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgaters Podcast. We are back. We're better than ever. I'm Kevin Borba, and he's Sergio de la Esperea, and we're here to talk to you about all things college football and everything that's happening in this crazy world. Sergio, are you ready to diagnose everything that is happening in this crazy world and try to make sense of it? I am as ready as Mike Tomlin is to shut down college football rumors at a press conference. That's how ready I am to get into this. He is this. ready. Mike Tomlin, he... he he had that answer locked and loaded. That was that was practiced. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is how you turn down interest in a coaching job. Watch Mike Tomlin in the press conference. He said, and I quote, there isn't a booster blank check big enough, end quote. Which, by the way, a blank check, it has no size. So technically, there, yeah, technically he was right, but he was also wrong at the same time. Nonetheless, I respect the... Um, puffing out my chest of I'm not taking any college jobs. <laughs> I do too. He did say that he has the best job in professional sports or professional football, which I found interesting because I feel like in professional sports, no job is the best job because in the matter of a year, you could be gone. Mm-hmm. Like regardless, um, I guess if you had to rank them, I guess I would put the Steelers like in my top 10. I wouldn't consider Pittsburgh like my top. I think it's I think it's because of the ownership group. Okay. The ownership group is really, really good. And and in his defense, I got the quote pulled up right here. It says, quote, I've got one of the best jobs in all of pro sports. So he, he did qualify it by saying one of and not like the absolute best. So yeah, yeah, I mean, at least he shows that he wants to be there. Like I feel like by him saying that, like he's just shutting it down. Um we'll just dive into that. Um we'll go a little bit out of order on the rundown. Uh, sure. Sure, sure. Have you seen that guy on TikTok? No. I haven't seen that guy on TikTok. The Aki no. way? You haven't seen the Aki way? Okay, it's this guy. You gotta send it to me. Okay, he makes disgusting food with like pop tarts and stuff. I just, there. I just now like discovered the bones and no bones thing like three days ago. Noodle? Yeah, I just discovered bones and no bones. Are we having a bones or no bones day? Did you check? I didn't check, but today felt like a bones day for me because of the amount of work I had to do, no. and I got it done, so I was really productive. So like so for me, it was a bones day. Bones as in it was a good day, or no, no bones is the bad days. Okay, so like I re- I was reading up on it and it was telling me that like it's like different meanings. So for me, like I read it as bones days are like, all right, let's get to work. You have bones. The, the pug is standing up. You can get right. to do your work. But a no bones day is like, all right, we're just going to like recoup and recover and like self-care. So for me, I felt like it was a bones day because I got a bunch of work done, you know? Yeah, I feel it. Okay. So, I feel like today was like a, a mid bones. Like I, I stood up for a couple seconds and then I fell. Um, so it was like a half bone, <laughs> half no bones day for me. Haven't done too much to be productive, but I also have done a couple things. So kind of in the middle. Um, shout out to Noodle, our king. Um, but we'll go with the bones day today. It was a, we'll, there you we'll, go. We're going to make it a bones day. Um, Three minutes who, in and we haven't said a single college football thing. I love this. I love <laughs> someone, this so much. Someone who did not have a bones day was Clay Helton when he got fired. Um, so the USC job is open for grab up for grab, excuse me. And it does not look like their interim head coach will be keeping the position unless they shock us all because USC is currently sitting at I believe three and four, four and three, nothing too impressive, but they're throwing out a lot of big names for this job. And like they've gone NFL level level. Jeff Fisher has been thrown out there, which I don't know why Jeff Fisher's in consideration. Like I get, he went to USC, but get Jeff Fisher out of there. Um, Mike Tomlin, who we mentioned, was one of the people that there was speculation, which all the speculation is because of Carson Palmer. Um, like mm-hmm. if he wants to blame anybody, he could blame Carson Palmer because Carson Palmer was on a podcast or a TV show. I believe it was a podcast and was talking about the people 
that are in consideration. And he rattled off a bunch of names. And Mike Tomlin was in that group of names. And so if he wants to get mad at reporters for asking the question, shoot Carson Palmer a text and be like, hey, stop that. <laughs> so I, I like, like I said before, I like how he shut it down really quickly because clearly that's not what he wants. And that's okay. Not everyone is not everyone is built to be a college coach, just like not everyone is built to be a professional coach. They're, they're different skill sets. Same position, similar, but different skill sets. A college coach is so much more to worry about. They're basically the CEO of that college football corporation, whatever school they're at. An NFL coach really can just focus on X's and O's and, you know, maybe some contract disputes kind of stuff. Um, I just didn't like how he like, and this is just personal preference. I mean, I respect his opinion and that's fine. Um, I just didn't like how he was so derogative towards college football positions. Like it was so beneath him, you know, he was like, never say never, but never. And I was like, good Lord, Mike, you didn't have to go that far, Mike Tomlin. Like, just say like, no, you know, I, I, I like being a professional coach and I will not be, I re- I love all the things he said about, I have one of the best jobs in pro sports, all that stuff. I just, I didn't think he needed to take those like veiled shots. He seemed offended that people were asking him about an open college position, like college. You want me to coach college football? Absolutely not. He asked, and like, I respect that. That's fine. But like, you don't have to be so like derogative towards the yeah. positions. He acted you know? like they, they asked him if he was going to take the Kansas job or like some, some like bottom tier, like college <laughs> job where it's like. Oh, will you be coaching at Buffalo University next year? It's like, relax, right? Relax. Um, Carson Palmer did throw out some other names. Uh, James Franklin popped up and poor James Franklin. um, If anything, if anybody was to be dissected by the media at any time, James Franklin getting dissected by with James Franklin's statement today, getting dissected by the media could not have come at a worse time. Um, Penn State lost in a very, very weird game. Um, Mm hmm. And nine overtime game to Illinois, which kind of not kind of it, it basically ends their playoff hopes um, for Penn yeah, State, at least yeah, unless does. something crazy yeah. happens. Um, Carson Palmer told the Dan Patrick show. That's what he was on. The front runner for USC includes Penn State, Matt Campbell, uh, Luke Fickle and Mike Tomlin. And so, of course, obviously, James Franklin talked to the media today and was asked, I'm not focused on the USC job. I'm focused on taking on Illinois or talking about Illinois who they just played last week. Um, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. And then another later into the, into the interviews uh, or into the questioning, he called Ohio state, the big house, which if you're not which familiar is-, is Michigan, um, who he will not be taking on this week. He is taking on Ohio state. <laughs> and so for, I mean, we all, for maybe James Franklin was having a no bones type of day. And like, <laughs> simply just no bonesing his way through the day. But Sergio, mm-hmm. what do you make of this ultimate fail of an interview that are questioning of James Franklin? My man has signed his USC co- coaching contract. That's what <laughs> I feel. He, he signed the USC coaching contract. He, he cannot wait to get out of central Pennsylvania and move to sunny Southern California with his family. <laughs> like that is what I make of all of this. The man not said not only, by the way, it's Illinois. The S is silent, Borba. No, I'm and Illinois I know Southern. that I'm an Illinois. And Southern I know guy. that. Okay, but my seventh grade history teacher was from Illinois, and I said she goes. We were like, "Oh, where are you from?" And she goes, "Oh, I'm from Illinois." And I remember that. Oh, yeah, it's cool in Illinois. And she gave me a death stare and went, "It's pronounced Illinois. The S is silent." To the point where everyone in my class looked at me like, "Oh, wow, man, yikes! He shouldn't have said that one." <laughs> This so is why, I will never forget that. This is why English is the hardest language to learn for foreign people because we Absolutely, have stupid dude. things like that. <laughs> yep. But well, it's, it's like my parents, my 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 mom and my stepdad, who are both immigrants from Colombia and, and Peru, respectively, they always say, ask me, like, why is Arkansas not pronounced Arkansas? It makes zero sense. And I go, you know what? You're right. It's you are a hundred percent correct. Um, but moving moving on, I think James Franklin has his head in the USC job. Uh, listen Ohio State fans don't want to be confused with Michigan Michigan fans don't want to be confused with Ohio State he's definitely already out the door um it seems like he's kind of tired of Sean Clifford I think he he sees that he has some pretty good quarterbacks over there at USC he sees the potential of that job he sees the money of that job I'm gonna say one more time he sees the money of that job um and he sees the weather and I think that's a big deal because when you look at James Franklin one of the reasons that Penn State was so bad last season during the COVID year, not only were they hammered with injuries at the beginning of the season, not only did they have their best players opt out for COVID reasons, 
but he was separated from his family. His daughter has an autoimmune disease and they were living in Florida. And as a way to not get like his daughter sick, he sent the whole family down to Florida so they could live here. Um, here, I, I live in Florida for those unaware, live down here in Florida and he would stay with the team and he didn't get to see them for months because they, they were afraid that, you know, with coaching football and being around so many people that Franklin would bring COVID back to the house and, um, would get his daughter who's immuno, um, has an autoimmune disease sick. And so I think there's a lot of those things family wise that really have to deal with it and come into play. And I know people would be like, okay, why would you leave Penn state a team, a program that is pretty much at the top, top echelon of their division, um, of their conference and has in recent past, right. As, as early, as late as late. Yeah. Yeah. As late as like three or four or five years ago, won the division and was in contention for a playoff spot. Why would you go somewhere where you really have to do like a rebuilding project and somewhere where their expectations are so high, like USC, whether they're realistic or not is a different conversation, but the expectations are high and they're there. You know, why would you do that? And I think a lot of that has to do with family stuff, you know, Southern living in Southern California, the weather's much better. It's a better quality of life for their family. And, And honestly, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. You know, I think Penn state is a fantastic job. Um, and I think if Penn State wants to hire Dan Mullen to, you know, be there, um, have him come home because he is from Pennsylvania. And, you know, if he wants to come home, I'm, I have nothing wrong with that. You know, we can go a different direction. But no, I'm just yeah. playing. But 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 I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think his kind of his head is checked out. And, and even if it's not the USC job, maybe it's the LSU job. Maybe he wants to go back to the SEC. You know, people forget he James Franklin is such a good football coach that this man led Vanderbilt to three. Ladies and gentlemen, three seasons in a row of nine wins at Vanderbilt. I didn't think that the man I, is a genius. You could probably combine their last three seasons, and I doubt they add up to nine wins. Like I, I don't money, think they do, dude. I, would put I don't think they do, Borba. And if they if it does, it's because it wasn't last year and it wasn't the year before. It might have been three years ago. Um, something it was. was the, it was the first time that they had back to back bowl seasons in like forty years. Oh, like that, it, it, it's insane. They, they he, had a, he, he did a masterpiece and, and, and he did a masterpiece at Vanderbilt in the SEC. So like it's proven that like he can do that at the highest of the highest of levels. Granted, it was the East and it wasn't the West. But what's the what's the only way you can go from the an SEC East job is an SEC West job. So it's up for the challenge. Could be LSU, could be Southern California. Regardless, his head is checked out of Happy Valley. See, I do think that if he were to stay this year for Penn State, uh, of all years, this year would make the most sense. Um, he's bringing in currently the number three ranked recruiting class. Um, before before That's he can recruit, man, he can yeah, recruit. Which he's he's been great at recruiting, but this is the class. Like last year, um, their rank was twenty one or twenty first in the nation, and recruiting mm-hmm. this year he's currently at number three. They were at number one for a while, but um, a couple of people surpassing like Georgia. Um, he's also bringing in the number one quarterback. Georgia class. surpassing programs in recruiting. Georgia no and Alabama. Way. Yeah, those those what? little small schools. Those little small schools. Um, I'm so proud of Georgia. I'm so proud of Georgia. <laughs> um, but he's bringing the number one ranked quarterback to replace Sean Clifford. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and he's a Pennsylvania guy as well. So if he leaves, it would have to be big money, prime location. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're comparing Louisiana and Los Angeles, California. I'm taking Los Angeles, California. Um, there's, I don't, I don't know, much, I don't know Shocker. much about Louisiana, but I do know there's hurricanes and stuff. Um, the worst <laughs> weather Los Angeles gets is like a light sprinkle on a Thursday when it's like 65 mm. degrees. Um, right. <laughs> uh, there are earthquakes every 30 years or whatever, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think USC's job is the more appealing job, and I think today James Franklin kind of showed his hand a little bit playing. He's playing poker and he has the reflective glasses and we all just saw that he has a nice hand. Um, so no, I, I don't think he, I don't think he has the reflective glasses. I think he's, I think he's drunk. I think oh. he's playing poker, but he's drunk. So his hands are like starting to, his hands are falling down and people are starting to see his cards. That's kind of he, how I feel. It's happening. He's, he's showing his neighbors his cards. He's like, look what I got. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, oh, you're my friend now. Cause you've been at the same poker table as me for four hours drinking. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not your friend, dude. That's a journalist trying to get a scoop. (laughs) Yeah. James Franklin, probably on the way out, I would guess. Uh, I think we've seen Penn State's ceiling, by the way. Like, this is a totally different topic, but Penn State as a program, I think 
uh, Bill O'Brien kind of resurrected them after the whole Jerry Sandusky thing. Um, he kind of got them to what many people thought would be the ceiling. And then lo and behold, here comes James Franklin like a few years later. And like, I don't think Penn state gets any better than what it is right now. It's like, they need Ohio state to be down. They need Michigan down to be down and they can't have Michigan state to be at the top either. And so they're, they're Mm -hmm. kind of banking on the top programs in the conference, having down years every year, or they're kind of banking on getting lucky. And I just don't think James Franklin wants to be at a program like that. USC could be the top, of the Pac-12 next year if they like turn everything around mm-hmm. within this offseason. Yeah. Let me let me just grab that analogy and run with it cuz I love what you just said. Hear me out. Penn State, Michigan, Florida, you're going to hate me for this, but Texas, um I can throw who else can I throw in here? Um can't throw anyone in the ACC. In. Let's go with those schools. Those four, um, yeah, those four schools. What do they all have in common? They've been disappointed. They all need. They've been, yes, short. they've been disappointed. They've come up short. But they've come up short, and they all need for a team that is better than them, that is ahead of them in their conference hierarchy, to slip up in order to take that next step. So, it's a short way. It's a long way of saying that they really don't control their program's trajectory at least upward, right? They're capped. There's kind of a glass ceiling, right? They're capped at a certain point. Florida, 10 wins, New Year's Six Bowl, either loses to Georgia and doesn't make the SEC championship or loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. That's Florida's ceiling. Texas at the moment makes the Big 12 championship game, um, loses to Oklahoma, 9-10 win season at best, wins the Sugar Bowl, Sam Ellinger, we're back, ceiling. (laughs) Michigan. 10 wins, successful season all the way through week nine, inexplicably loses a game, inexplicably loses a game, gets blown out by Ohio State. That's Michigan. Penn State, we're seeing it in the past few years. They had that one year when Ohio State slipped a little bit and they were able to win the Big 12 or win the Big 10. But even then, they didn't make the playoff. So these programs are all in that same realm right now where it's kind of in in limbo where it's very difficult to break that that glass ceiling and shatter up into the Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama stratosphere of teams. And it's very easy for the bottom to crater and fall down, which is something that we're seeing with Florida this year, which is what we saw with Texas last year, which is what we're kind of seeing last year and this year with Penn State. Michigan, it's yet to happen, but we know it will end up being. You know what I mean? So that's where that group of teams are. And I love that you gave that analogy because in the, my head, I just like ran with it. And I was like, oh, yes, it's not just Penn State, you know. And these are all considered big, massive brands, right? So we're seeing this separation of brand hierarchy with the I have everything I want in Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma. And then we have that like, okay, we're the top tier, but we're like the second level, which is the teams we just described. And then you have everyone else in that sense going further down. So it's very interesting to see how it will play out. And yeah, if I'm James Franklin, I'll look at a LSU, which has shown in the past two years that they can rise up into that stratosphere um, or a USC where the Pac-12 is wide open. You know, all, all you have to do is beat Oregon and out recruit Mario Cristobal. And the reason he's winning so much is because he can recruit California so well. If USC has a semblance of a pulse, they can recruit California all they want. Thank you. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to hone in on this USC opening a little bit. Um, like you said, honestly, if you could recruit Los Angeles and just get all the five and four stars from there, you're, it's like Texas to where you could, the state of Texas, not u- the university. Mm-hmm. You could have right. a really good team just from Los Angeles, California. Another Florida. thing. Yeah. Another thing. Um, does the name Keegan Michael Key ring a bell? Um, No, but the name Aaron does. Yes. Okay. I think that is going to be a key factor into James Franklin's decide decision into taking the USC job. Um, I think some the person who takes wait, the USC, wait, I need you. I need you to hear me out. Hear me so. out. Hear me out. It's random, but it makes sense. The last okay. time USC was really dominant, Pete Carroll was someone who was able to embrace the USC Los Angeles area vibe of famous people being all around. James Franklin has had famous people, notable people at Penn State like Keegan Michael Key come to his mm-hmm. program imitate him have fun with them be a practice whatever i think james franklin has the personality for a southern california coach i don't think a lot of the a lot of the other coaches like clay helton 
he didn't want the like the Los Angeles profile. Like he didn't like it. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was kind of he had off the field issues that we don't know if he would have liked the the LA scene. But like Pete Carroll thrived because he embraced it and allowed for those famous people like Snoop Dogg, Will Ferrell to be around the program. And I think James Franklin can kind of bring like that energy back around USC. And that's why I bring up Keegan Michael Key because they obviously look a a lot alike if you haven't seen them. And so I feel like Mm, his willingness to like embrace like the funniness and like the culture of like what the young kids are interested in. I think that's a great match for USC. It's really random, but that's that'd... actually that no no that it it sounds random, but it is it is a fantastic theory and and I think it's important to note that Keegan Michael Key is a Penn State alumnus. So for those people who'd be like, why is he just randomly showing up to Penn State? He went to Penn State. He's a Penn State alumnus. So maybe he won't get Keegan Michael Key at USC because he might not be happy that he left Penn State. Right. But yeah, you're right. He does seem to have that personality. Can joke with himself. I can see him on Kimmel. I can see him doing those. LA press tour type stuff, promoting, you know, tro- USC's back kind of stuff, you know, charge Trojan, charge on whatever they, whatever they do. Um, charge on UCF. What am I doing? Fight on. Fight I'm spending, on. I'm spending way too much time <laughs> down here. Fight on. There we go. Um, yeah, that's a great theory, dude. I love that theory. But yeah, that's my theory and I'm sticking with it. Um, another person had a no bones day yesterday, Sergio, and his name is Matt Wells. He was fired from Texas tech. The head coaching job at Texas tech is now open after he went 13 and 17 um, I don't want to blame anybody besides Matt Wells because this is mostly his fault. It's not mostly its fault. It is his fault. But if anyone could have prevented this, it would have been Tyler Shook, the Oregon transfer, and he broke his collarbone or whatever. And like, I think Matt Wells is secretly mad at Tyler Shook for not being able to stay healthy because I feel like this year would have been the year that they kind of had a breakthrough because he had a really good quarterback in Tyler Shook and it just didn't work out. Um, realistically, they were working with Henry Columbia, and although they were five and two or whatever, yeah, five and two. Um, five and they three. were about to, five and three. Excuse me, the, correct. They just lost. They were about mm-hmm. to lose the rest of their games. Um, they they had not played the big slate of the Big Twelve yet. Like the only team they had played was yep. Texas, and so and even then, like Texas isn't really like a big dog right now. So they still had to play. And, and the score was seventy to thirty five. Correct. <laughs> and, and and I'm pretty sure TCU hung fifty on them, which TCU. TC- hang 50 tongue 52 on them yes and they are bottom tier big 12 team this year so i think Mm -hmm. uh, on the outside looking in you're like why would they fire someone with a winning record this year but you have to look into this past year um they just didn't have it going with matt wells and so now that brings up the grand old question of who will replace him sonny cumby is going to be the interim head coach which he is a former red raider quarterback and so Mm -hmm. i feel like he kind of has the the notch ahead of everybody um it depends if he does well. I feel like this is like his audition. Um, I know you're a theater guy audition right here. This would be his audition for the job. It just sucks that it's going to be against Oklahoma, Iowa State, and all the other big powerhouse schools. So that'll be interesting. Um, I also think Sonny Dykes from SMU has an opportunity to take this job if he wants it. Um, another former tech guy. And then Jeff Trailer, who we talked about last week from the University of Texas, San Antonio. This would mm-hmm. be the Texas job where it's like a step above for him to go to another bigger school after this job. <laughs> I like that you brought up the audition um, analogy because I don't know if you're from, are you familiar with the actors equity um, union? I am not. It is the stage actors union for actors and stage managers. And whenever a show is an equity show, a union show, they are required, even if they're continually like Broadway and open run, they're required to have what they call an open call, which is anyone can come and show up. You line up and you get seen by some casting assistant and you just keep it going and keep it moving. Um, They call them cattle calls because it's kind of like, you know, raising cattle. You just have a whole bunch of herding them over. Um, Yeah, cattle cattle calls like that are very much just like a we have to do this because we're a union show, but we're really not taking this seriously. I've been to a few before and the vibe is very much like, hey, can I do this? And they're basically like, we don't care because none of you guys, you're going to be in there for 30 seconds. You're going to sing your song and we're going to say, thanks, you'll hear from us soon and you'll never hear from them. So that's kind of how I feel what the interim coach is set up. What's his name? What's the interim coach's name? Sonny, Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. I feel bad for Mr. Cumbie because this is a, yeah, dude, you're not going to get this job, but you're just going to run it out there. And you can put interim head coach on your resume. Congratulations. You can do that. But you have football games coming up against Oklahoma, um, Iowa State, 
Oklahoma State and Baylor. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not going to make the Big 12 championship game. So they're not going to be participating in that football game. So those last four games, man, brutal slate doesn't look too good. Oh, and four. I I, I wrote about this. I uh, agree. In an article the other day that Kansas State was their last game that was winnable that can make them bowl eligible. Like that was mm-hmm. their last like almost certainty. Like if like yeah. that was the best chance they had and they lost by one point. <laughs> I think that was mm-hmm. just like the the nail in the coffin for Matt Wells is like we got to beat Kansas State because after this they're not yeah. going to. And, and what, what we what we saw from from Mike Wells was a lot of inconsistency over the past few years. And it was always like, oh, if he, like you said, if he could get the quarterback, if he could do this, if he could do that. And it just never seemed to click. Um, he's not, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he would do good at the group of five level, but I just don't think that maybe he, I, he was dealing with a difficult situation because Texas Tech, not only is it like a lower tier power five job, it's a very undesirable job in general. Um, I don't know if you've ever read or, uh, well, read, yes, because we both took Molly's class. Um, read Friday Night Lights and also seen the television show, but that's kind of Texas Tech. Like it is like Western Texas out there, not as desirable. Um, and there's nothing against that, you know, places like that. I love every aspect of the country and I'd love to visit those places to get that experience, but I can understand why it's not a very desirable place for coaches that, you know, the pinnacle of jobs. I mean, we just finished talking about James Franklin leaving Penn State to go to USC or LSU type stuff. So, you know, um, in terms of replacement, Man, I really just think that they should go after some kind of assistant rather than going after a head coach. Mm-hmm. Just be, just because I feel like they that's the type of person that will accept the job. You know, like a reach. Like, like if I'm like the Ute, it, it, like a step up for someone. But like, uh, like for most mm-hmm. head coaches, this isn't a step up unless you're like, like Jeff Trailer could no. probably wait it out another year and get a better job. I agree. If you, if that's what that's what I was gonna say. If I was Jeff Trailer, I wouldn't take this job. This is a job that I would just go back and try to do another season. Um, and get good success and then get noise for next year. Now it's a delicate balancing act because listen, Billy Napier is on maybe his last year of being able to turn down those jobs, you know, cause he's done that a couple of years now. It, are those jobs going to be there later on? We'll have to see what happens with <clears throat> LSU, but you know, we'll see what, we'll see what, how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I would go after an assistant if I were them just realistic wise and just kind of accept who you are in the college football landscape. You are a mid-tier Big 12 team at best. Um, you're, it's going to be very difficult for you to break through to that level if you try to make a bowl game each year. And if you get eight to eight to nine wins in a season, that's a success. So I think they really need to reevaluate what they want and what type of football they want. Because before um, Wells, they had Cliff Kingsbury, who was running an air raid type stuff, and they were putting up a lot of points but they were not winning football games. So do you want to look flashy or do you want to win football games? Depends on what you want. So. I also have another candidate for the Texas tech opening. Um, before you, before I say it though, um, mm-hmm. it was funny that you talked about like where Texas tech is in Lubbock and like how it's not the most attractive place. Um, at big 12 media day, Matt Wells was asked what his favorite thing to do in Lubbock is. And he couldn't really name anything. <laughs> like he just couldn't name <laughs> my anything. favorite thing to do in Lubbock is to go to the airport and leave. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing in Lubbock is to leave Lubbock. Uh, also, I, I was on Texas tech Twitter last night, just scrolling down rabbit holes. And I guess mm-hmm. Matt Wells may have benefited from the previous Utah state head coaches rosters at while at Utah state. And so he inherited his roster did well. Then he inherited Jordan Love, who obviously is an NFL quarterback and mm-hmm. the heir to Aaron Rodgers. And then he boosted himself to the Texas Tech job. Now, he still has to win those games, whatever. I just thought that was interesting. Um, I think this Texas Tech job is undesirable. You have to, I don't know if it's like, like, I don't know if you have to get branded like with the air raid like symbol on your leg or something, but I've never seen someone come in here and change up the offense. And I really think that if Texas Tech would want to succeed they would have to shy away from the air raid a little bit maybe go with like the run and shoot or just like run the ball more they have been running the ball a lot this year which is surprising but it's because i think their quarterback got hurt um i'm gonna mm-hmm. throw this name at you before okay before we move on um todd grantham yes no um nobody should want todd <laughs> grantham on their staff <laughs> no 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 todd grantham is a fantastic coach who deserves a head coaching opportunity and someone should take him we would be so sad in gainesville to see him leave we would just be devastated maybe Gainesville high, nothing but the best maybe Gainesville high school has an opening he could teach history or something <laughs> I don't think I don't think the reputation amongst the student body there would be very good <laughs> uh, 
but I'm going to throw this name. This is probably too big of a get for them, but mm-hmm. this makes a lot of sense in my head. And I want to hear how it sounds in your head. Joe Brady. Okay. The Panthers are no. struggling. Joe Brady has no. a high flying offense and he's never had a hood coaching job. Let me tell you why. Because Joe Brady doesn't want that job. And it's no disrespect to Texas Tech. Joe Brady doesn't want a college job. Broward County's finest, because he's from Pembroke Pines, I want everyone to know. Broward County's finest, Joe Brady, um, has said multiple times that he is more interested in the schematic X's and O's and does not like the recruiting aspect of college football. He wants to stay in the NFL. I mean, he he was at LSU because he came from the Saints. So it's not like he was always in college circles and then made the jump to the NFL. He was was an NFL guy. LSU was just a stop for him um, with the bigger role. And so, yeah, I think he looked at Burrow and those wide receivers and said, I can do something with this. Like you said, I mean, that'd be, that'd be my top coach. That's an assistant coach, although it's at the professional Mm -hmm. ranks. Um, I think for him, he probably doesn't want to deal with the hassle of recruiting, but I don't know if he realizes how easy recruiting would be for him <laughs> because he'd literally just be like, go watch the LSU national championship offense. And that is my pitch to you. <laughs> well, I just, I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the like landing the players. I think it's just the grind of it, having to do it every single day and yeah. having to be in charge of so many things. Like it goes back to Mike Tomlin, right? Like I understand why Mike Tomlin doesn't want to go to college. That's fine. You know? And that, just don't be derogatory about that's, it. <laughs> yeah, that's also why we see older coaches like Pete Carroll, which he also left because USC was about to sink like the Titanic. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, he saw those sanctions coming. Ladies yes, and he did. But age is also a factor. Urban Meyer, who stepped away from college football multiple times, has decided to go to the NFL. Now, maybe Urban Meyer jumps into the USC job pool. Uh, I'm just saying, if Urban Meyer takes a college job, that Ohio situation never happens. Just putting that out there, Urban. <laughs> Because he wouldn't be in Ohio that day. It would have not happened. So that's on him. You're not wrong. I'm You're mean. not wrong. So now that we talked about all the coach openings, I'm sure we'll get another opening like by next week. Just because why not? Mm-hmm. It's college football. Um, it's time to talk about the AP poll. Uh, we are Let's pretty we're pretty close to the college football rankings being a thing like in our lives. And I'm very excited for that. Um, I feel like the AP poll has done a pretty solid job. Up up top, we have Georgia, of course. Cincinnati has slid all the way up. Not slid. They've jumped to the number two mm-hmm. spot. Well, number they were there two. last week, so, you know. But they're still there. Dub they're season. holding on. They had a close game against Absolutely. Navy. That had me worried because not only is – I tweeted this. You never want to play one of the service academies in the cold weather. It's just um, a recipe for a disaster. And Navy, who was like one in five, one in six at the time, they they kept it pretty close with Cincinnati. Um, Alabama Listen, jump. If, if you, if you tell me, right. And this is fine. I'm not going to dislike you for this, but if your response to me saying, wow, Cincinnati's a fraud because they're struggling against Navy. I, you don't know what you're talking about and that's okay. That's all right. Just sit this one out because you don't know what you're talking about. If you think, oh my God, you can't stop the triple option. Yes. It's week eight of the season and you get a random triple option team. It's a difficult thing to do, all right? It is much more difficult than people think it is, and there's a reason that teams struggle with it every single week. There's every a reason, single week. So. There's a reason that teams don't schedule them as much as you yes. would think. Like, Oklahoma almost exactly. lost to Army. Um, I believe that was two years ago, their first game of the season. And that was... Mm-hmm. It's just not... You just don't want to play the service academies. Like, salute to the troops, because although they don't pass, they will run all over you all game. <laughs> Um, let them play each other. Yes. <laughs> Just let them battle it out for their governor's cup or whatever it's called. Um, Alabama jumped Oklahoma and is now at number three. Oklahoma, who I just mentioned, they had a close one against Kansas of all teams. The bottom of the college football world, Kansas, almost mm-hmm. got them. It was a cold day in Lawrence. It was a little chilly. Caleb mm-hmm. Williams was throwing the ball all around, throwing it to the wrong team. Spencer Rattler might have been smirking on the sidelines. I don't know. Um, if anybody was to prey on Caleb Williams downfall, I don't want to say downfall. That sounds extreme, but I think Spencer Rattler wanted a chance and he, you know, he's like, I could beat Kansas, but it's not his job. Yeah, but, anymore. Then, but then Caleb Williams, but then Caleb Williams like stripped his own stripped Kennedy Brooks on a fourth down to get the first down. That so. was, that was Sorry, the play dude. of the season. That was his Heisman moment. And it only went two yards. Like <laughs> that was that, his Heisman. That, that's going to be on his Heisman tape for next season. Yes, like when that happened, I was in so many like text messages asking if that was allowed because we have never seen someone strip their own player and continue running. 
like we've seen the Bush push when Reggie Bush like shoved the quarterback into the end zone, but that yeah. was just like pushing somebody. That's like an offensive line is always pushing people. For yeah, you, that happens run, all the time. Which Kennedy Brooks work on the ball security, bud, because I don't think he knew it was Caleb Williams. He got he got that was a clean strip by Caleb. So if Caleb mm-hmm. if Oklahoma needs some help at the linebacker position, Caleb might be playing both ways pretty soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they did not look too look too good. I think that was just one of those games where it's kind of like you know you're gonna win. And then you end up like sl- like p- playing really bad just because you overlooked them and they overlooked Kansas and it almost got them, but it didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's too much to buy into on that. Ohio State, number five, Michigan, number six, which those teams are going to be battling it out pretty soon. Oregon at seven, Michigan State at number eight, which yeah, Sergio, maybe. that is one of our games of the week, which we will predict the winner of in a little bit. Um, that game pretty much will end the playoff hopes for one of those teams likely. Cause I, th- I don't think the big 10 gets two teams in. Then we go big 10 again, which the big 10 is literally teams five through nine, excluding Oregon um, because it's Iowa back amongst the top 10 Ole Miss at number 10, Notre Dame at 11, Kentucky at 12, Wake Forest, who we, I think we both underestimated against army. They pulled off the upset uh, or I wouldn't call it an upset, but it's kind of an upset. No, that was not, that was not an upset. It was another service Academy game that was difficult. They did they did drop 70, but Army did drop 52, which was kind of weird. Army was flying around with the with the run game. Um, Texas A&M at 14, Oklahoma State at 15, Baylor at 16, your Pitt Panthers, who beat Clemson. Underrated, 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 I, I, underrated. They are underrated. They they jumped up from 23rd. Um, I don't think they're getting I still don't think that's high enough for them. I think they should be right above Texas A&M and below Wake. Let me let me tell you right now. If you put them on a field together, Pitt's Pitt is beating Okay, Pitt's beating Baylor, Pitt's beating Oklahoma State, Pitt's beating A&M, Pitt's beating Wake, Pitt's beating Kentucky, Pitt's beating Notre Dame, and I think that's where we max out. I think everyone else above them they lose to, but I think and I think the games against Wake, Kentucky and Notre Dame and A&M will be like close games but I think that they can pull it out. Kenny Pickett, for some reason, like we joke about him being 47 years old and being playing college football for 13 years, but like the man is a good college quarterback now. Like he he just like stopped making mis- the mistakes he was making in the years prior. It's crazy. Like it, it, it's what everyone tells himself. Like, oh, if only they can make those changes, but they never do. Well, Kenny Pickett made those changes in his fifth, like or I think it's fifth season starting for Pitt because of COVID and, and all that stuff. So he's going to get himself drafted this this um this draft which it's is funny you bring that up uh mel kuyper jr has him ranked as the best quarterback in the class uh, okay he- that's just that's just all right relax mel kuyper jr i think he'll get drafted i'm not saying he, i don't even think he'll make a roster but like he'll definitely get drafted and that's good for him he deserves get that paycheck maybe he'll be a practice squad quarterback like good have for him back to the qb1 um he he does have all an impressive right. stat line 23 touchdowns one interception and he's ninth in this in the country in passing yards like Put Kenny, it's because he's making smart decisions now. He's not he's not forcing plays anymore. Put Kenny Pickett in the, the Heisman conversation. Uh, for reference, the past two years, he's thrown, I'm not even joking, in 2020 and 2019, he threw 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions both years. The year before that, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, Kenny Pickett, this is his Joe Burrow year. Like, Yep. Yeah, he's definitely improved to taking his game to another level, and I'm, and I'm very happy for him. So moving on in the top 25, um, after Pitt, we have Auburn at 18. SMU, who will be Cincinnati's biggest test of the season. They're not playing yet. It's just a fact. Um, they're at 19. Penn State fell all the way to, to 20 from 7, which I believe they play Ohio State. Yes, they do. They play Ohio State this week, which could basically put the nail in the coffin for them being ranked in the top 25 for a minute. Um, James Franklin, if James Franklin wins this game, he will get so much hype. Like the amount of hype <laughs> thrown at James Franklin if he wins this game will be unreal. It will be I I will be irate because he. It all depends on Sean Clifford. Are we getting good Sean or bad Sean? We never know. Speaking of mm-hmm. good slash bad, um, Auburn, they're not bad. They're they've they've somehow. So that's that's a thing where that's a thing where Bo Nix has decided that he's just gonna. Like I, I always had the running joke on sideline judgment, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's judgment with an E. That's my other um, college football podcast. 
where I make this joke a lot where it's you get good Bo Nix and bad Bo Nix, and we have not seen much good Bo. We have sorry, I, disrespecting him. We have not seen much bad Bo Nix this season. We've seen a lot more good Bo Nix, and so I'm very excited to see what could happen. And listen, I'm not saying like I think Alabama's the better football team, but crazier things have happened in in the Iron Bowl, and and Alabama's they don't have as sharp of a team as they have in years prior, no. and this is a team that can get got. So keep an eye out for that one. It's funny you bring up good bow, bad bow, just because when they lost, a, like his numbers, when you look at them, aren't that impressive. Like you have to watch mm-hmm. the games to actually appreciate how good he's been because his numbers right. still aren't that good. Um, the Arkansas ones were good. He completed 80% of his passes for two touchdowns. Um, but against Georgia, 55% of his passes. Against LSU in a win, 52. Um, mm-hmm. In a Georgia State win, 48%. And he was benched for TJ Finley. And then against Penn State, 56%. Like, he's not lighting it up, but he's making the right plays right. at the right time. Um, and he and he has a couple of, like, highlight reel plays, like the couple throws against LSU, where you could, like, even if someone's not really paying attention to what's happening, you can just show it to them and be like, oh, he's playing good this year. You know? It, it even has that casual fan sample size type stuff. Right. Like, he, like he's thrown eight touchdowns this year, but, like, based on his numbers and the way he plays in those, like, three videos that you just mentioned – you would think mm-hmm. he has like 45 touchdowns and they're all like on the run fade away quarterback, like just all right. fade away from the sideline or something crazy. Um, after Penn state, we have San Diego state who is undefeated. And then Iowa state who upset Oklahoma state. I don't know if it's really an upset. I think Oklahoma state kind of had ridden out their success. And like, now they have to like really prove if they're good. Um, they benefited from a really easy schedule so far. They hadn't played any top teams in the big 12 until now. Um, Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to do. Um, the University of Texas San Antonio up one spot to 23. Coastal Carolina down after they got beat by App State. And they are sitting at 24th, which did you see Chase Bryce's Instagram story? No, I did not. Okay, so there, there's, first of all, Coastal Carolina is known for their bleached mullets. Um, they have a linebacker by the name of Teddy Gallagher. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. I absolutely saw this, and right. I'm so sorry. Continue your story, okay. but I just, I'm so excited. So Teddy Gallagher is a linebacker for Coastal Carolina, bleach bond mullet type of guy, um, middle of the woods type of guy. I just feel like he's a he's a country guy. Um, he DM'd Chase Bryce on Instagram before the season and was like, how do you feel about losing to a bunch of kids from Myrtle Beach? Um, and that's if you win the starting job. And he was running his mouth. Chase Bryce never responded. He didn't even open it really because it, they weren't following each other. And so it was like in that DM folder where like you choose to accept it or decline it. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of funny because Gallagher never got like the validation that he saw it. <laughs> and so I love that. So he did. He's like, well, I did see it. And he posted it to his story after App State upset Coastal Carolina. And that just I just love the pettiness like. On what other sport do you get that level of pettiness? And so that made me happy. Only college football, Borba. Only college football, exactly. And then BYU is at 25. Um, BYU's kind of been in and out of the top 25 because they basically play a Power 5 schedule, and they've done well. So um, BYU, if the season ended today, would be the Pac-12 South champions, and I'm not joking. (laughs) It's true. Um, (laughs) They They have beaten Arizona State, Utah, Arizona, and Washington State. And they lost to what's the what's the they haven't lost to a Pac-12 team. So they're four and oh in Pac-12 games. And right now, Arizona State is three and one. Arizona State and Utah are tied atop of the Pac-12 South rankings. And so they are they would have the tiebreaker. So I'm not joking. If the season ended today, the Pac-12 title game should be Oregon against BYU. But BYU is not a. Pac-12 conference member, and but I just have, find it hilarious. Imagine they filed like a petition to play for the Pac-12. Like, you, I mean, like, if they have the best record amongst Pac-12 teams, then yeah, why not? And they <laughs> have one more, They have one more Pac-12 um, team on the schedule in USC. That's their it final is. game of the season. So, I mean, petition five and zero against the Pac-12. They could try it out, man. They could do petition it. to make BYU an honorary member of the Pac-12. Um, just for this year because they're Big Twelve in a couple of years. I'm in the Pac-12. Yes, exactly. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, any, any movers or shakers that rubbed you the wrong way or are you pretty content with this AP top 25? Now, like I said, I think Pitt should be a bit higher. Right. Um, and I think the, the bot, the back half of the top 10 is going to all work itself out. Um, cause you got Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state and Iowa 
all within the back half of the top 10. So that's going to work itself out. And then I once again, I will be adamant in saying that Notre Dame should not be ranked this high. They are not a power five team. They are an independent team that does not play as strong of a schedule. We're going to do the same thing for BYU. We got to do the same thing for Notre Dame. So that's my soapbox, and I will step off of it now. I mean, Notre Dame's, or I mean, BYU's arguably played a harder schedule than Notre Dame, if we're being, if we're being real. Like, well, if we're being real, right. Like, Notre Dame, the the best team Notre Dame played was Cincinnati, and they lost. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that, yep. they they played Florida State, who's terrible. Toledo, who's Toledo? Like, you should not be able. Toledo's one, or what is Toledo's record right now? Like, who even cares? But like, Toledo's I not. Know. I have no idea. Middle of the pack team in the MAC. Um, so that's cool. They're they're currently four and four on the season. There um, you go. So that's that's a big win. Purdue, who was a flash in the pan for one week. Um, they fell out of the top 25. Wisconsin, who's terrible this year. Um, they lost in Cincinnati. They beat Virginia Tech, and they beat USC. All these teams are middle of the pack to, like, bad teams. And Notre Dame. And then, and then a Justin Fuente-led team. Yeah. And so they they finish off with North Carolina, who's had a pretty bad year, all things considered. Like, we knew they were going to struggle after losing all their weapons, mm-hmm. but I didn't think they'd – I didn't realize they'd be this bad. And then they go right. Navy, which I feel like they could lose to Navy. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, who's three and four, and then Stanford is three and four. So Notre Dame has no business being as highly ranked. I, I would agree with right. that. And uh, I'm not saying BYU should be ranked 11th in the country, but I'm saying if we're going to hold BYU to the standard of like barely cracking the top 25, we got to hold Notre Dame to that same standard. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I feel like that's you good on the AP. We're good. I'm good on the AP. I'm good okay. on the AP. So let's move on to the game of the week. Um, actually, no, I lied. The game of last week. We're, I'm going to call it the game of last ah, week. Okay. Um, the nine overtime game between Illinois, no S, mm-hmm. um, there between, you go. Good job. and Penn State. They went nine overtimes, and Illinois eventually ended up beating the Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions. P- Nittany, wow, that's what that's rough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they beat him. That's 20- another reason he's leaving. He's going to California because he just doesn't want to pronounce that name anymore. Yeah, I, I don't ever want to say that name again. I don't think I ever will. Um, they <laughs> lost 20 to 18. Um, Sergio, how often does the winning team pass for 38 yards? Not very often, Borba. Not, especially when you're not a service academy. Let me throw that in it's there. Big <laughs> caveat. Big caveat. Big caveat. Um, they got a little bit of bad Sean Clifford. Um, he went 19 to 34 for 165, averaging less than five yards per pass he had a nice 17.8 qbr rating um mm-hmm. penn state just couldn't run the ball they couldn't really do anything um meanwhile Illinois, they could only run the ball they had 350 357 yards rushing which is insane you mean to tell me that a brett bielema led big 10 team rushed for over 300 yards color me shocked color me shocked yeah so that was interesting um how do you feel about the new overtime rule because i really don't care about the game itself like penn state totally flopped and that's on them um, they should have won this game with ease. How do they you feel have, about the yeah. the nine overtime game? Because that's the most overtimes we've ever had in college football. This rule, mm-hmm. which if you don't know the rule, is after the third overtime, I believe, third or second overtime. I think starting with the third overtime. Starting with the third, thank you. Um, so after the second, you just get one play to two-point conversion. Each team gets one two-point conversion, and that's considered an overtime. So say Texas is playing Florida, Texas would get an overtime. And if we don't get it, Florida gets their chance. If they don't get it, we go again. But Florida starts. If you get it, then we get to try. Literally the same rules. Like every team gets to try just back and forth. Um, I feel like this makes the game take longer. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it one, the whole point of overtime and not ending in a tie is to get a definitive result. And so usually one of the offenses fails when they're in, like in the past overtimes. Like some offense is going to throw an interception or they're not going to be able to score they're gonna have to settle for a field goal or something like that like this was just you know what's gonna happen you know they're trying to score on that one play it takes all the i feel like it makes it harder on the teams if we're being honest mm-hmm. um okay what's your other idea for overtime then because this is very similar to there's sometimes a debate in soccer circles where they want to get rid of penalty kicks because they say that you know it's not reflective of what happened in the game and it's by chance, and it's difficult, blah, 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 and the game just keeps going on and on and on, similar to what you just said. But, like, there's no other way to decide it when you get to a certain point, right? 
Oh, I'm going to just play over and over and over and over and over and over and over. So I think that the two point conversion is a way you could do that. Now, my stepdad, Raul, he's a great idea where it's a kickoff, like a kick off where, all right, both of you start at 35 kick field goals. You make it keep going back to the 40, then to the 45, then to the 50, then to the 55. You could even start it at the 40, you know, whatever. I like that idea and it makes better use of um, kickers and the specialty unit. But in my opinion, um, I think that we're having this discussion simply because this game happened in Penn State, Illinois, in the Big Ten, where there's just a, anemic offenses and incredible defenses because we had a seven overtime game. The, the seven overtime game from a few years ago was LSU, Texas A&M, where the overtime rules were different, where it was just each team gets a possession and they go back and forth and back and forth. That makes the game take a lot longer. So what we actually did was shorten it out after the two overtimes. Um, so I actually really like this rule, given the circumstances that we have right now. Um, yeah, I'd like the kickoff. It'd be a lot more fun. Um, but actually, this is much better. I don't like the overtime rules in the NFL, where if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, the game is over. But okay. if you kick a field goal or don't do it, then the other team has a chance. Um I just don't I, I think it's unfair to not give another team another chance. So right. for me, uh, I actually like college football overtime rules. I just never wanted it to change. Um that was my stance. I think the oh, one okay. the one overtime the one overtime uh game between LSU and Texas AM that you mentioned, that was an anomaly. Like that has never happened. Like that right. like Well, this nine overtimes is an anomaly too. Yeah, but like I feel like you give them I don't know, like I feel like one play obviously it's the Big Ten, so their offenses are anemic, like you said. I don't know. I just feel like one play to decide it like for each team is just like not enough. Like, obviously, I know that's what a two point conversion is. I think that no, I, get I thought that. the rule was fine before. Like when they changed it, I was like, really, was this necessary? Like we're going to you're changing it after one time. Like what? Like if it was yeah, like a common problem, like Texas and Oklahoma went to four overtimes and then Sam Ellinger threw an interception. Like it, I feel like the game mm-hmm. solves itself. Like four yeah, overtimes was that. like viewed as that. a lot. And so I was just not. I'm and not I can understand the whole like the old overtime rules, there was some actual football involved where you got to go at least like 30 yards, 25 yards. Like it's not just one play to get in the end zone. You know, you can scheme and do different types of plays. So I get that. I respect it. And honestly, I'm probably on your side where I would just go back to the old overtime rules, but I don't like, I don't hate this, um, this one now, to be honest. Right. Well, someone I worked with was like, now you have to come up. They're like, how many uh, two point conversion plays do you come up with? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I feel like your playbook's the same. It's like going for like a fourth and one or something. Like it's not cr- like, honestly, it's not, yeah. it's not like they're giving you one play from the 30. Like you're pretty close. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like QB sneak every single time, except for the fourth time where you run play action, <laughs> run it in, um, throw a screen, throw a slant. I don't care. Like, um, I do think the crazy thing that, which I figured that's how the game was going to end was one of the teams is going to throw it and then the other team's going to intercept it. And that's how the game was going to end, like run it back for the two mm-hmm. points. That's how I kind of thought I was going to end because I was watching that game and it was like comical how bad these teams were from scoring from like 10 yards. Oh, out. Yeah. It was so bad. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. But that's Big Ten football, baby. Um, Speaking mm-hmm. of, there are a couple Big Ten games featured in our games of the week, which last week we did. We did like we got like 50 percent right. Not too good. Not too nice. bad. Um, All right. This week. We'll start right away. Michigan State, number eight in the country, hosting number six, Michigan. I'm going Michigan Game State. Game of the week. I'm going Michigan State. Um, I think I think they're that Michigan is not – they don't have the offense, like if we're going to be real. I think Michigan State's just going to run the ball down their throats, and they've done well enough in the passing game. I just don't trust Michigan, to be honest. That that That's also a factor. Kenneth Walker the third. Yes, sir. Two words. Heisman moment. Mm. This is it. This is the moment. This game is, I think, I think it's an ABC, like eight o'clock, like Kirk Herb Street, Chris Fowler game. I think game day's going. Um yeah. all eyes a, are on this football game a, on Saturday. A 9 a.m. game on Fox. We played ourselves. No way. This is a noon. This is a noon game. Oh yeah, noon game. Sorry. There's, there's <laughs> no is, way this is the noon game. This is the noon big kickoff game on Fox. Oh my I I feel so bad for Michigan, Michigan State. This game deserves game day, a night game in East Lansing. It's in East Lansing, right? It's at Michigan State. Correct. A night game in East Lansing. This deserves so much more. Oh my gosh. I know that and you know what? Because of that, because of that, I'm doubling down and taking Michigan State because they know that they deserve it and they're gonna be partying for the rest of the day after this game. So Kenneth Walker the third Heisman moment. 
And I this like is it. the last weekend of games before um, the first college football playoff rankings come out. So this hopefully be- this has a big impact and is able to kind of catapult Michigan State up there. At number six- Justice for Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker hype train, choo-choo. Yeah, I mean, at number six, Michi- Michigan State, or Mi- I mean, at number eight, Michigan State could jump up and Michigan, if they win this game, they might find themselves in the playoff depending on how good they look. Um, let's just jump. Let's, let's slow down. Let's I slow mean, down with the Michigan. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, like, if Oklahoma sputters again, like, although they won and, like, have another bad performance and, like, Ohio State loses mm-hmm. something crazy, like, Michigan could find themselves in the playoff. You never know. Um, yeah, well, you know, the sky could turn purple all of a sudden, too. So. It could, because rip the ozone. Um, call, <laughs> I'll tell you where college game day actually is, um, and mm-hmm. that is at Ohio State when they take on Penn State. Number 20, Penn State, and number 5, Ohio State. Um, I, I think, I think. see, I kind of want James Franklin to win just so I could be mad about all the hype he's going to get, but I feel like Ohio State's going to beat them pretty handily. <laughs> Like I think, I, I think completely agree. I think they're gonna blow the top off of Penn State, and then people are gonna be like, "Why are you gonna hire James Franklin? He sucks!" Like it's gonna be like an overreaction either way. So mm-hmm. let's just overreact. No, this is this is an easy one. This is an easy Ohio State win. As much as I would like for Penn State to win this football game, because I I like Penn State more than I like Ohio State. Mm. This is an easy Ohio State victory. CJ Stroud's looked really good, and we're kind of we the co- national collective we. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of get ourselves caught up with the first game against Minnesota right. of how CJ Stroud looked, and he's really grown into his own. And, you know, it's yeah, very clear he was a young freshman who was starting his first game on the road on a Thursday night in prime time. Yeah, okay, he's going to struggle a bit, but it's good. He got it under his belt, and he looks really good right now. So, right, and he's currently tied for 16th in the nation with almost 2,000 passing yards, 22 touchdowns. Three picks, which is pretty good for a freshman, all things considered. Very good. And then Very he leads good. the nation in QBR. So, CJ Stroud, no slouch. Um, I'm going to pick Ohio State. You're going to pick Ohio State. You picked Michigan State for the first one, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, now this game is interesting because they don't – I don't know if it really has any implications on the SEC. It's just a really good SEC matchup. Number 18, Auburn versus number 10, Ole Miss. This is just like a fun football game. Yes. This is just like a very fun football game. Um, I'm very interested. Man, I I might have to retire bad Bo Nix if Bo Nix puts up a good performance in this game. Mm-hmm. I might have to. I'll Probably. have to talk to Tyler on sideline judgment about it. But I, I will. I will. I might have to retire the term bad Bo Nix. Auburn because he has, has shown that he's a capable quarterback. They they have a, uh, according to ESPN, they have a 58% chance of winning this game against Ole Miss. All right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that much faith in it, but um, <laughs> I like what DJ Durkin, I'm, I like what DJ Durkin has done on defense with, um, with Ole Miss. And then, of course, you know, I love what's happening on offense with Lane Kiffin um, and Matt Corral. So I'm still going to pick Ole Miss, but. I am excited to see how Bo Nix performs in this football game, regardless of what the score is. I'm excited to see how he performs, and that's going to be an interesting plot plot for me. And I'm like sneaky excited for the Iron Bowl this year because if Bo Nix can continue to play good football and I retire the bad Bo Nix mantra, that Iron Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It'll be interesting. It'll be the first year, though, that because if Alabama loses, um, it'll be the first year in like the first time. I oh, know that kind of ended though. There was a time period where the winner of the, the Iron Bowl was the national champion. Um, obviously, Auburn only won mm-hmm. that one national championship, so that I never, right. I never enjoyed that stat because I was like, it happened once, it, really. It, but it was like a three-year period. Which yeah, is, but which is kind of weird. Yeah. It was just like Alabama, though. It was like Alabama, and then the one time Alabama didn't win, so that kind of annoyed me. Um, if you had to guess money, would you, would you predict that Matt Corral is Ole Miss's leading rusher? Because I'm looking at their their team leaders right now. And he has a hundred carries for 474 yards and he's their team's leading rusher. I would have not guessed I actually, that. I actually would. I actually would have guessed that oh, because okay. I saw Lane Kiffin at FAU use, um, run the quarterback eight a lot. That's okay. like a staple of his offense. He likes to do that a lot. He, he has Auburn's number one running back has 102 carries and Matt Corral has a hundred <laughs> tanks. Jeez, good Lord. No wonder Matt Corral is not feeling good. He's, should have given should have given Tank Bigsby the ball in the red zone and that the Penn State game, but not my business. Hey, running the ball and like in short situations just doesn't make sense, you know. 
Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call Ole Miss for this game. You got Ole Miss or Auburn? I forgot. I do. I'm gonna take Ole Miss. It's also at it's in the Grove, right? It's it's in Oxford. It's at it's at Auburn. Oh, okay. It's in Jordan here. Yes. Oh, maybe that's why ESPN has the chance. You know what? I'll I'll just be the contrary. I'll take the Bonix narrative and I'll take Auburn, even though I think it's gonna be Ole Miss. I'll, oh. For the sake of this of, of content, I'll take the other team. You like to gamble over under sixty six points. You taking the over? I'm over, taking, over, I'm, over, I'm over, 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 over. I think combined, right? Like, combined. I, yeah. I, I think yeah, they hit yeah, seventy over, or eighty. Over. <laughs> I, I think they hit seventy or Smashing, eighty. I'm running. T- I'm running to the window to hit the yeah. over. <laughs> yes, and then our final game is a little Mountain West action. Um, Ooh, number twenty-one, San Diego State taking on Fresno State. Hmm. Um. I'm gonna be honest and say I haven't seen much Mac. Um. Mac. I haven't seen much Mountain West football this year. No problem. So um, I'm. I'm gonna go. Breakdown. I'll give you a little. Little. Give tip me a little breakdown. This is see. basically this decides who will represent the West. Um, okay. Fresno State is currently three and one in conference, and San Diego State is undefeated. Um, Fresno State mm-hmm. six and two overall, and so Fresno State's a little more offensive than San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State they win the games grinding you out. Um, they they've only scored two hundred seventeen points on the season, and they've only given up one hundred ten. So. And then you go okay, to Fresno. So they got a really good defense, low scoring offense, but really good defense. Correct. And then Fresno State has Jake Hayner, who I don't know if you remember the, the guy from was. the UCLA game. Yes, that guy. <laughs> All right. Then give me Fresno State off of that alone. Okay. The man was a warrior. I love man, that. I think I I don't I feel like you always want to go. I feel like offense always beats defense. I don't know why. Like it's just in modern day college football, it does. It, you can because, beat a team by having a dynamic offense um, and just like an average defense, but you cannot beat a team by having an above-average defense and a below-average offense. That's what's happening. Right, offense. which I think before anybody like comments at us and says Georgia, Georgia has that average offense with Stetson Bennett, so leave leave us alone. Georgia will be judged by what happens in the SEC championship game and in the college football playoff. And when they go up against some of the bigger teams in the country, we'll see what happens when someone is able to score 24 points on them. It's not going to be a lot because Georgia defense is fantastic. When someone can score 21 or 24 points on them, can that offense keep up with that pace? So right. we, we, we reserve the right to hold off on the Georgia talk for now. Right. I'm, I'm going to go with San Diego state. I'll, I'll be the contrary for one. You be the contrary for one. Um, Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, you know, shout out to my boy, Garrett Fountain. Um, his parents employed me in high school. Um, he is a linebacker for San Diego State. I'll ride with you, Lord Garrett. Go, go get him, Birdman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have some great matchups this week. And then the following weeks, college football is only going to get better as we make our way to the college football playoff. Um, do you have anything to add before we skedaddle on out of here? Um. Yeah, this is the this is the least like I have felt emotionally for Florida Georgia in a in a while. That's pain. <laughs> it is it is kind of pain. the The state of the Florida program is not in a good spot. Both mor- morale is low. Send treats. Um, send chocolate chip cookies. Um, send <laughs> Domino's thin crust pizzas that I could watch during the game and I can cry for the second half of if it goes the way that I think it will go. Um, yeah, I just hope that, you know, we have some, I do remember my freshman year of college, we were a bad football team and we ended up pulling the upset on Georgia. So I'm just going to go out there and hope for something like that. Um, even though this is a better team than that, than that, this is a better Florida team than that Florida team for my freshman year in 2014. Um, I'm just hoping for the best. That's you just got, you guys have had a tough Tough like beginning of the schedule. Um, your we schedule, did, your schedule is very, very much front loaded, and then the LSU loss was just like, we'll just ignore that. <laughs> and the Kentucky and 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 I know just. Although I will yeah. say one more thing though to keep to brighten my spirits. Um, Borba, why does the St. John's River flow north? Um, I don't know. The only river that I know actually flows north is the Nile River in Egypt, thanks to my sixth grade history project. Other than that, I don't well, know. Well, now you know that the St. John River flows north because Georgia sucks. Damn. That's it. Damn. Well, that's, that's it, baby. Are you calling for a Florida upset right now? Absolutely not. Uh, I'm hoping that I we get one, but I am not predicting or hey, calling that at all. 
Texas Texas is in position to Texas Texas still has a chance to play in the Big Twelve championship if a lot of things happen. And basically their season mattering either continues off after this week or ends after this after this week. I would I would selfishly love to see another Oklahoma Texas big uh, game this season. So just from a neutral spectator standpoint, I mean I'll be rooting for Oklahoma in that point because you know right. brother. But 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 um, I'm not. I think I, we, I would love to watch that. I think we actually lose this week. I'm not even gonna like be a fan right now. Who do you play? Baylor. Um, Ooh, it's a, yeah, it's a tough, tough matchup. We Waco just in Waco or Austin? Um, I believe it is in Austin. Let me check. Okay, that's a that's an advantage. We just don't. Nope, it's in Baylor. I mean, it's in Waco. So we just don't match up well against them. Um, mm-hmm. They have the ninth best rushing offense in the nation, averaging a solid. Let's see, what is it? They average over. Where'd it go? Um, yeah, they average two hundred and thirty-nine yards rushing a game, and mm-hmm. we average two hundred yards rushing given up. Two hundred yards given up a game. So this Baylor is Baylor like, is a three point favorite, by the way. Um, yeah, it just came across the screen. Very disrespectful to Baylor, and it is in, and it is in Waco. To confirmed, I know there was there was, and questions. we gave we gave them bulletin board material today. One of our defensive backs was asked the hardest places to play in the Big Twelve, and he gave Baylor a three out of ten. That's don't do that. Don't, <laughs> so don't I mean, do our, that. Don't get exposed by the run, and don't talk shit about the opponent three days before mm-hmm. four days before you play don't do that don't do that my friend just give him motivation um we don't need motivation because the tailgaters podcast is in here we're out here in the streets we're doing our thing i'm kevin borba he's sergio de la Esperia, and you can catch us on spotify apple music wherever you get your podcast thank you guys for listening and we will catch you guys next week georgia sucks yeah is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.